0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast with Mark McCrae. Well, you read the title right, everybody Hanna Barbera versus Hanna Barbera. This is another episode in our Who Owns It series. I'm Dan Klink, here with the lovely Mark McRae. That's right, going uh, season two full force. So let's just dive right in. We've got Scooby-Doo's Laugh Olympics. It featured 45 Hanna-Barbera characters from previous series, as well as new characters created for the show, Laugh Olympics. If uh, you're my age, you probably caught reruns uh, between 5 and 7 p.m. on the USA Network.
0: Yeah, so Laugh Olympics was like a pretty big series for Hanna-Barbera. It originally ran like two hours, you know? I mean, it included Laugh Olympics- yeah. So it was like an umbrella show, an umbrella series for other Hanna-Barbera series. I mean, Laugh Olympic being the headliner, but there was also Scooby-Doo half hours and Captain Caveman half hours. So there were, okay. there were other Hanna-Barbera segments running in the two hours. And I think at this point, probably CBS was thinking and scratching their heads. Maybe we should have renewed the Scooby Doo contract and never let the character go over to ABC. Right. Because this was Scooby Doo at full star power. Right. Two-hour shows were sort of unheard of back in Saturday morning. Yeah, right. This was like a really successful series. But looking into the background of some of the characters that ended up on the series and some that did not, there were a lot of different rights issues that were tied to why some characters ended up on the series and why some previous animated Hanna-Barbera characters did not end up on uh, Laugh Olympics.
1: Well, I mean, hell, there's 45 characters. Uh, how many could they squeeze in, and how come some didn't make it?
0: Well, <laughs> um, I think a lot of it had to do with rights issues for some of the characters, or hmm. lack thereof rights. Like, for example, Hanna Barbera couldn't use Dick Dastardly and Muttley, who had originally showed up on Wacky Races in 1968. And that's right. Lee and Muttley and their flying machines in 1969 because the Wacky Races television series was a co-production with another company called Heater Quigley Productions.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: whose studio produced uh, Hollywood Squares. So Wacky Races was supposed to have a game component, but that sort of went away. But the co-production and partnership between Hanna-Barbera and Heda Quigley was still intact for Wacky Races. And so I guess there were some character rights issues because Dick Dastley and Muttley would have fit in perfectly on Laugh Olympics. Well, they
1: fit in so perfectly that they were basically reskinned uh, skinned <laughs> as the Dread Baron and Mumbly.
0: Oh right! Like I right, remember as a kid
1: ex- thinking, you know, watching uh, Wacky Races, watching Laugh Olympics. Like I would catch that they the names were technically different, but it didn't register. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It was the same these the same jerks jerking around.
0: Right. I mean, like Mumbly was. <laughs> I mean, it was such an obvious copy of Muttley, but you know, Filmation did something similar. With hot dog from the Archies and Mop Top from the Brady Kids. I mean, oh, it's sure. the same exact car- character design. You know, hot dog was an all white dog, and Mop Top was a brown and white dog. But it was the same character, and it, and Hanna Barbera did the same. Uh, what did you call it? The reskinning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Of 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 you know, Dick Dastardly and Muttley with uh, Dread Baron and, and Mumbly.
1: Well, now now, what kind of convoludes it a bit more with Mumbly? Uh, mm-hmm. He made his debut the year prior on the Tom and Jerry Grape Ape series. Uh, and a twin of Muttley's was a good guy and detective, but was turned into a villain for Laugh Olympics and continued his run as a villain uh, in Yogi Bear and the Magical Flight of the Spruce Goose in 1987. So right. Mumbly is coming before Laugh Olympics and after Laugh Olympics totally showing up at Tom and Jerry, but it's still Muttley.
0: <laughs> right. Well, he had separate adventures, so there were like no crossover uh, stories with Tom and Jerry. Again, Hanna-Barbera would create these umbrella series that housed all these characters, but there wasn't any crossovers taking place. But, you know, the fact that Mumbly later turned into a bad guy, in my opinion, just served the purposes of story. In circumstances, I mean, Muttley wasn't a, a, a good character. Dick Destiny and Mutley were bad characters. Right. So I guess someone at Hanna-Barbera decided, well, let's just go full tilt with Mumbley and just let's, let's just make him bad because it'll work in upcoming stories and projects.
1: So they had already established Mumbley as a character, as a good guy, uh, right. as a counterpart to, to Muttley <laughs> a year before Laugh Olympics came out and they couldn't use Muttley. Okay, this is this is getting pretty deep here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they couldn't use Muttley for whatever reason, you yeah. know. Like I said, character rights issues. I suppose until Hanna Barbera uh, was able to work out whatever the issues were between Dastanley and Muttley. huh. poor Mumbly. <laughs> had to fill in you know you know it would have been really funny dan back in the day like how they used to you know playing the part of this oh, character. oh yeah right <laughs> yeah yeah like like they were doing the soap operas it would have been funny if somebody said playing the part of Muttley is mumbly
1: right <laughs> right <laughs> you know yeah that would have been fun do you like podcasts? Then you're going to hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter, mature humor, contempt for our co hosts,
0: unapologetic social views, edgy music,
1: and total irreverence for the nerd
0: junk we love are all reasons why no one, no one, no one should listen to Thunder Talk.
1: Find us on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. More, more Hanna-Barbera versus Hanna-Barbera. Uh, they mm-hmm. couldn't use Alex, Ale- Alexandra, and Melody from Josie and the Pussycats, even though the studio
0: secured the full animation rights from Archie Comics in 1970. Yeah, that was an interesting one, too. I mean, and it must have been a last-minute decision because Alex and Alexandra and Melody, you know, showed up in publicity stills for the premiere of the Laugh Olympics, And so when I saw these publicity stills and TV Guide, I got really excited. I'm like, oh, three of my favorite characters from Josie and the Pussycats are coming back. This is great. And then when the show premiered, no Alex, Alexandra, and Melody. Weird. So disappointing. I wonder (laughs) what happened there. I, I think since Archie Comics held the rights, it could have been a situation where, well... If you're not going to use the main character, who is Josie right, and you're going to use the side characters who, well, Melody isn't a side character she is a pussycat, but Alex and Alexandra, Alex and Alexandra and Melody they were the comedy relief of Josie and the pussycat, so it made sense that hannah Barbera would only want those three characters to be on laugh olympics
1: oh god i see so uh their use or promotion in laugh olympics made archie comics go hey Mm -hmm. going into the josie show (laughs) Mm -hmm. made them take a step back with those
0: characters okay right right they probably wanted like it, it could have been all or nothing either you take all the josie characters or at least include josie in the mix right right you know, not Melody. You
1: put them all on yeah. Laugh Olympics or you don't get them all for the proper Josie show.
0: Right. But Josie, Valerie, and Alan from the Josie series, they were the straight characters. Right. The f- the fun characters were Alex and Alexandra, the bickering sister and brother. Right. And Melody, the ditzy friend. I mean, they were the show, in my opinion. That's why I watched. And right. it just made sense that the writers wanted these characters. but. You know, unfortunately, um, it didn't happen, and uh, the Josie characters ended up being replaced by Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. Wow! So that was that.
1: <laughs> well, we got Captain Caveman out of it, so right, right. You know.
0: Well, I think Captain Cave Captain Caveman, I, I believe, had a separate segment on under that Laugh Olympics umbrella as well. Right. You know, but because they couldn't get those other characters, I suppose they decided. To include Captain Caveman, you know, as part of the uh, Scooby Scooby Doobies team. Right. But in my opinion, I feel like Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels should have been on Laugh Olympics anyway, you know? Right. I mean, if Captain Caveman already was going to have a separate segment in the two-hour series, of course it would have made sense to have some cross-pollination, having the character and the three girls as part of the team oh, of yeah. the Scooby Doobies. So,
1: yeah. If if Laugh Olympics is anything, it's just a cluster of cross-pollination.
0: Yep. The fact that Hanna-Barbera couldn't use Alexander and Alexandra Cabot and Melody from Josie and the Pussycats, in my opinion, was a missed opportunity for Laugh Olympics, a missed opportunity for Archie Comics, and I really feel like having those three characters in Laugh Olympics would have been glorious. It would have been icing on the cake. But a loss, it but didn't a happen.
1: No, that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been amazing. However, think of it this way:
0: mm-hmm.
1: in terms of uh, rights and and whatnot, and who's getting paid for what, mm-hmm. what kind of like afterlife hell could Laugh Olympics had fallen into? In terms of reruns, in terms of video and DVD and streaming release, had oh, it, had it- they appeared.
0: Yes, it would have been hell, because it was hell just getting Josie and the Pussycats to get a DVD release on the new Scooby-Doo movies.
1: Oh, there you go. Right.
0: So, you know, perhaps maybe not so glorious. (laughs) Yeah,
1: sorry, sorry, sorry,
0: dude. (laughs) I could dream in an alternate universe somewhere, (laughs) the characters appear on the new Scooby-Doo movies. So anyway, and there's more. Then there's Jeannie. I Dream of Jeannie, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The uh, teenage version of Jeannie that Hanna-Barbera created in 1973 for CBS. And the character was originally owned by Columbia Television. And so Hanna-Barbera didn't necessarily own the rights for Jeannie.
1: Mm, um, like they could do the cartoon, but they couldn't be throwing her into their own mix over at laugh Olympia. Right,
0: Exactly. And maybe the contract stipulated if Genie was going to be animated, it would have to be under a Genie animated franchise, not a character popping up in Laugh Olympics.
1: Right. Genie's a star, not a, not a cameo, not a guest star, mm-hmm. not a bit player.
0: Right. But Babu, who was created specifically for the Genie animated series, who was the sidekick character... That had been an apprentice genie for 500 years because he could never get his magic spells correct. He could never get his uh, wings. Right. The the clarence (laughs) of the the genie world. Uh, He was actually allowed to be added to Laugh Olympics because that character was owned by Hanna Barbera. And uh, Genie was supposedly uh, replaced by Hong Kong Fui.
1: Okay. Okay. So Hong Kong Fui stepped in for Genie on Laugh Olympics.
0: Yeah. Now, it is crazy, but you know, Hong Kong Fui's television series only ran uh, for like two seasons maybe. So I'm sure fans were really happy to see Hong Kong Fui back again. Oh, totally. You know, back in the fold. That's the reason know? why I watched Laugh Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Hong Kong Fui is a great character.
1: It was voiced by Scatman Crothers, wasn't it?
0: Yes, yes. The awesome Scatman Crothers. Yeah, right. one of my favorite actors.
1: Of the myriad pop culture podcasts, there is one that blends in with them all flying under the radar, nagging at you at a subconscious level, Nerd Bliss, where four hosts from the deep south and anyone they can get to appear for store brand coffee and corn nuts talk about science fiction, pop culture, current affairs, and more. You can find us at nerdblisspodcast.com or on the ESO network, Nerd Bliss. It's one word. So, uh, Dick Dastardly and Muttley, not uh, Bearing Something or Other and Mumbley, uh, their rights return to Hanna-Barbera uh, just in time for Yogi's Treasure Hunt in 1985. And just a little side note: uh, the voice actor Dawes Butler, that was his last performance as Yogi Bear.
0: So the rights got all straightened out and there's a whole nother backstory of how that happened, which we're not going to get into right now. But the long and short of it is uh, everything got restored back. And Dazzle and Muttley will go on to show up in Fender Bender 5000 from 1990, which was another racing series featuring Yogi Bear that was part of the Wake, Rattle, and Roll series, and it aired on weekday mornings. When the series moved to the Disney Channel, the title was changed to Jump, Rattle, and Roll. And since the series was airing in the afternoon, it's probably the only Hanna-Barbera series to air on the Disney Channel ever. Wow.
1: I had no idea that Hanna-Barbera had something up on the Disney Channel. Uh, Yeah, I had no idea that Yogi was addicted to racing and was forcing (laughs) like his whole running crew into it. It's almost like, uh, you know, I want to do an entire retrospective on the Laugh Olympics, the Wacky Races, the Great Space Race, this Fender Bender thing, but look at it through the eyes of the uh, Fast and Furious movies.
0: Right. That would, be, that would be a great idea, actually, yeah. and maybe that should be one of our episodes. Because here's the thing, Hanna-Barbera loved, loved, loved Yogi Bear. I right. mean, oh, yeah. Yogi Bear was one of Hanna-Barbera's first breakout stars. Yep. The character originally showed up as a segment on the Huckleberry Hound show, but was shortly spun off into his own series. And over the years, Hanna Barbera kept trying to capture that magic with Yogi Bear. And there's been a lot of specials and a lot of series. And, and then finally, Destiny and Mutley show up in <laughs> Yo Yogi um, from 1991. So this is sort of a prequel. Destiny right. and Mutley are kids along with Yogi Bear and company. Dick Dastardly rides a bike that looks like the Mean Machine from Dastardly and Muttley. Okay. You know, Dan, I was thinking, it's almost like when you look at all of this with Dastardly and Muttley not being able to be on so many Hanna-Barbera shows, it was almost like as soon as Hanna-Barbera had the full rights back again for the characters, they stuck them in everything.
1: They crammed them down our throats. And I mean, they were charming characters, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But give, we're, give me give me more Snagglepuss,
0: right? That's right. What I,
1: that's what I would have liked to have seen.
0: <laughs> well, um, so after all these pairings of Dastardly and Muttley, when I was working at Boomerang, I created this franchise called the Zoo that included most of the Hanna Barbera animal shorts like Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound, Snaggletooth. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, nice. and I included Dastly and Mutley in the mix as well. Because I just feel like, well, if you knew the history of Dastly and Mutley, you would understand why I included them in the zoo. Right. They appear together with you. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Dastly and Mutley have been adopted. <laughs>
1: Exactly, the
0: the bad kids that no one wanted at the orphanage, and they've been adopted by the Yogi Bear universe. Well, who else has been a
1: consistent foil for Yogi and the gang, other than Dastardly and Muttley? Right, right. You know, they don't have much of a rogues gallery uh, other than these guys, or you know, uh, uh, the Dread Baron and Mumbly. Uh, And not only that, you know, Muttley is a dog in terms of the zoo, and Dick Dastardly is an animal. OK, he's a creature. <laughs> he, he's 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 no better than an animal.
0: Celebrated author and television industry veteran, Mark McRae. How Star Trek The Animated Series influenced the future Star Trek franchises. And professional degenerate, Dan Klink.
1: Mom, mom, there's a Star Trek cartoon now. She's like, (laughs) yeah, duh, there has been for like maybe 15 years.
0: We'll be live Saturday, August 7th at Treklanta. Dorothy Fontana and David gerald they consider The Animated Series Season 4. Atlanta's premier Star Trek convention.
1: Come on, JJ. If you can create Kelvin Spock's character's spine entirely from yesteryear, you can give us a three-armed helmsman.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, what is the big deal? Go to allevents.in slash online slash treklanta on the holodeck 2021 for details.
1: And now time for another edition of Pulled Off the Air, due to third-party ownerships.
0: Yeah, so uh, Godzilla was another one of those uh, shows, you know, as I was the programmer at Boomerang and Cartoon Network, that I was told to pull off the air. So this one was a a little more complicated because the network was currently airing Godzilla. Right. And I had actually missed an airing, and someone from my broadcast operations center emailed me and said, Hey, Mark, there's an episode still airing on Saturday. Should we pull it or should we air it? I'm like, Oh, absolutely no. I'll issue a programming revision. That's got to go. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much because I don't know how much trouble I would have gotten in, but. <laughs> yeah, you didn't you did need that early on. Right, exactly. And I just remember a month or two later buying the whole BOC department pizza, sodas, whatever, right. because I was just so grateful that they caught the fact that I had missed uh, one of the airings that should have been pulled. But well, this well, one why does was... it have to be pulled? Well, this is an easy one for me. Godzilla from 1978 was a co-production with uh, Henry Saperstein, who ran uh, UPA back in the day and produced uh, the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol. Right. And you and I have talked about that wonderful Christmas Carol. Oh, Yeah. So you had Hanna-Barbera, you had Henry Saperstein, and he had the relationship with Toho, who distributed the monster films, which featured Godzilla. Uh, One of the films that they distributed was called Invasion of the Astro Monster from 1965. But there were a lot of players involved in this Godzilla series. Turner had bought the library, but perhaps there were shows or series that probably like Genie, like the Genie cartoon. We never got that because it was owned by Columbia. The Partridge Family, twenty-two hundred A.D. We never got that cartoon because a parent company owned it. I think it was Columbia. I'm not exactly uh, sure. Don't quote me on that one, but (laughs) but I think uh, with Godzilla was just too much. You know, too many owners. Owners that were not getting <laughs> that, you know, that were maybe they didn't want Godzilla on the network or it was or maybe there was supposed to be some type of negotiation in order for Godzilla to air. Uh, by the way, Godzilla had one of the best opens. It's kind of light on lyrics, but the music and the drama for the Godzilla open are all there. Right. Um, and they kind of close the Godzilla open by introducing Godzuki, you know? So it's almost like, well, kids, if you're scared of Godzilla in this dramatic open and drama, here's this cute little sidekick named Godzuki and he's silly, <laughs> you know? And
1: Godzuki.
0: Right. And Godzuki and, and Godzuki tries to land and, you know, and then the silly music comes on. Yeah, so um, that one got yanked. Like I said, it was an easy one because it was a little harder, actually, because it was already on the air. Right. They just had a lot of other outside parties that, you know.
1: Too, too many people that would have needed you to cut a check.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcasts like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO network. You know, speaking of uh, Snagglepuss, do you remember a comic book that came out a few years ago where he was a celebrated playwright and closet homosexual during the era of blacklisting
0: in Hollywood? Oh, Oh yeah, I remember. Um, it was DC Comics. They did a, a reimagining of uh, a lot of Hanna Barbera characters. Yeah, like they had some cool crossovers, like Hong Kong Fui crossed over with Black Lightning. Okay,
1: yeah, that, right. That yeah. was one and, of them. They totally jacked up the Flintstones. Uh, yeah, yeah, broke a lot of hearts. It was pretty. Uh, yeah, I mean Snaggle Snagglepuss was uh, he was like uh, hanging out with Truman Capote. The whole thing was pretty bonkers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, but Snagglepuss had a girlfriend in the cartoon series, yeah, so right. Snagglepuss Snagglepuss's <laughs> vocal inflections were based on how Bert Lahr played the Cowardly Lion from The Wizard of Oz, right. but I could see that being interpreted as being gay.
1: But you know, I mean, what business did these comic people have outing Snagglepuss like that? <laughs> you know, Snagglepuss would have let us know in his own time when it felt right, right for him to share his truth.
0: Right. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not too crazy about how a comic or a cartoon is intended for one audience and has been around for so long become pop culture phenomenons that all of a sudden, you know, Shaggy's a pothead and Velma and Daphne might like each other, you know, and now Snagglepuss is gay. I don't ever think that that was the original intent of the character. Yeah, now here's you know Snagglepuss had all those great lines, you know, stage exit it, stage right, stage ex- left, <laughs> or right, or, right. Yeah. It was I think it was more left than right. <laughs> the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives Studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae, signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tea Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com.